Hi, everyone. Welcome to Zoe Hates Movies. To start the podcast, I always tell Zoe the title of the movie that we're about to watch uh, and then see if she can guess what it's about. Does that sound right? Sounds about right. So, Zoe, I'm about to tell you the title of today's movie. You don't know what it is, do you? Nope. You You told me like a week ago and I forgot. Did I? Oh, I'm glad you forgot. All right. So, today on Zoe Hates Movies, we're watching The Third Man. What's it about? The Third Man is about uh, a man who is a detective and needs to solve a big crime in the dark. In the dark? Well, it's probably black and white, so it's going to look pretty dark. Interesting. Let's find out if you're right uh, this week on Zoe Hates Movies when we watch The Third Man. Is that how our theme tune goes? Oh, I've never heard it. That sounds good, though. Hello and welcome to Zoe Hates Movies, a podcast where Jason makes Zoe, me, watch an old movie that I probably won't like, and then we talk about it. Yeah, that's about right. That's a good way to start. That was very, very efficient. Thank you. I listened to you say it a lot, so now I've been able to distill it into its important bits. You didn't do the thing where I ramble on about it and don't get to the point ten times. Uh, I am Jason Filiatro. That's my introduction. And I'm Zoe Duncan. That's Zoe. This is Zoe Hates Movies. I'm not going to re-say the things Zoe said, but this is what we do. Let's get to the important part. What's the important part? I was pretty good with my description yes. of what I thought this movie would you be. You were pretty spot on in terms of describing what you thought the third man was going to be as far as a movie about a detective who has to solve a crime in the dark. Okay, so the bits I wasn't <laughs> quite right is, okay, so it, it was a man as our protagonist yeah he wasn't a detective but he was trying to help himself at first solve a mysterious thing that happened that seemed to have been a crime but which crime is it that he's going to solve and for whom awesome awesome description and it wasn't always in the dark it was in vienna but a dark time for vienna a dark time for vienna uh so let's get into it i mean i how are you, Zoe? How are you, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I had a nice little nap <laughs> the first half of the movie. You had a little bit of a nap. Once or twice I looked over and you were definitely resting your eyes. Uh, it's a bilingual movie, but with no subtitles. No, no subtitles. Uh, so we're recording this on Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in Canada. We just call it Thanksgiving. That's right. So we're recording this on Thanksgiving. So we're full of a meal and we are full of thanks. And, uh, I mean, by the time I actually get around to editing this, it might be American Thanksgiving. So the timing might be just, just perfect. It could be spot on. So, I mean, I don't For all our American listeners. (laughs) Yeah. For, I mean, if you, if you're an American and you're, and you're listening to us, uh. Thanks, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, edit that out. I don't want that to be a thing I said. No, that's going to be the thing. You said thanks, eh? Um, so anyway, we'll see how long we can stay awake and talk about the third man um let's start with what year do you think this movie was made in okay uh as i said black and white uh Mm -hmm. very long hour and three quarters and it the the movie is based post-war but post-war being post-world war one so i'm gonna say it's like late 20s wow i'm gonna say 29 i mean wrong do they even have sound back then (laughs) (laughs) well because this movie has good sound so this this is actually post-world war ii what yeah the cars look like garbage (laughs) oh god i always think i'm so smart (laughs) so this is vienna uh this movie was released in 1949 but why are they sharing the city with the germans then um well the the germans live in austria well, the Austrians Vienna. Do. Well, oh. Vienna, they're they're Austrians. Right. 
Okay. And it's being at the time the the city was divided into into four quadrants: the the Russian, the American, the British, and the French, who were all sort of working out how to divide Germany up and sort of and all the German territories, sort okay. of like who would have different control over it. So the Vienna of of post war post World War Two is is kind of a a lawless kind of wild west ter- territory where where their laws kind of divided up amongst everybody what's so funny why are you I'm laughing so wrong i mean you were definitely not the most right oh, let's be charitable in that respect you're and, so kind and to be fair you slept through you know a fair bit of it they had a guy with a hitler mustache i so i assumed it was before that went out of style and when when do you think the hitler mustache went out of style well, no, we don't want to talk about Hitler. Let's not give that guy any more press. And and the hairs, I don't know. Okay, now I'm backing up. You know, for some reason, I thought it was maybe made in the twenties, but based later. <laughs> Wait, it was a science fiction movie that was made in the twenties about oh, the forties. No. <laughs> it's fine. There's no reason for for you to know what the forties looked like. I mean, you That's don't you true. don't watch a lot of old movies so what you're saying is this movie was made in the 40s this movie was made in 19 probably 48 i mean i can get an exact date for you but it was made pretty soon after the end of the second world war um apologies for any sniffling you hear i have a cold because i don't know that's what people do so it was made uh very close on the heels of the second world war uh as far as i know it was shot in vienna it's all like the bombed out stuff that you see in the movie uh, is all pretty much what Vienna looked like after wow. the after the Second World War. And the movie was, um, I mean, we can get into sort of who made what and who did what. Um, but so the reason we're watching The Third Man is because it stars Joseph Cotton, who is the main character. Holly Martins. Holly Martins. A Western novelist a from Western America. Novel. Yes. Um, and Joseph Cotton, he was the American who was in Gaslight, the last movie we watched, if you remember. I remember very little of there that. We oh, go. he was the nice man. Yeah, he was the nice man Uncle from Brian. Gaslight. Yes. And so here he stars in The Third Man. As another nice man, mostly. Uh, Joseph Cotton was kind of a weird, not, I won't say weird. He was definitely like an everyman of the age. Uh, definitely he was like kind of a bland facade as far as leading men goes. Mm. I generally find him to be, you know, kind of, he doesn't stand out in the way like Humphrey Bogart did or Cary Grant did where he, he doesn't have a lot of charisma or a lot of, you know, a certain style of acting that he does but he can wear a hat he can wear a hat there's certain there's certain leading men of this age that are very very sort of flat i I would say joseph cotton for sure joel mccray is another very very bland leading man of Mm. the age and what was he in that people might know uh joel mccray people would know him maybe best from sullivan's travels the preston sturgis movie he was in hitchcock's foreign correspondent uh, no one's seen westerns. any of these. I, you know what? If they're listening to this, maybe they have. So now's the part in this podcast where you are going to walk us through the plot of The Third Man. Okay. I'm going to be not too detailed because I don't Is want to. Is that because to... you were asleep for, for a lot Only of it? Only a little bit. Okay. Okay. Let's begin at the beginning. Let's begin. I will I will uh, jump in and help where, where needed. Okay. So... Mr. Holly Martin shows up in Vienna, and he's hoping to stay with his buddy, Harry Lime. Uh, but he gets to Harry's house, and a neighbor says, you're too late. They already took the coffin. And mm-hmm. uh, Harry is not expect, or sorry, Holly, yeah, our the, protagonist. Bo- both protagonists. Well, both these characters with H names. Holly, Holly and Harry. Harry. These are, that's a terrible idea. So That's like screenwriting 101, <laughs> but I'm not going to lecture Graham Greene because... He's dead, and he's also one of like the greatest novelists and writers of all time. So I won't, I won't get into that. Anyway, sorry, where were you? Yes, so Harry Lime's dead. Harry Lime is dead. Holly is very sad because Harry's basically his best friend, 
uh, and they were going to have a jolly time in Vienna after and, the war. And Harry had sent him a plane ticket and told him that there would be a job waiting for him when he arrived. Yeah, something like writing for a medical charity, mm-hmm. something like that. Yes. Uh, so Holly finds his way to the graveside funeral, yeah. where there's a few people in attendance. Um, and as he's leaving, someone gets, says, I can give you a lift back into town. And Holly gets into the car with this guy who turns out to be like a police inspector. And they have a drink. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember specifically what the conversation was about, but it ends up that the policeman has a hotel for Holly to stay in for the night. And then he's going to get him a plane ticket back home. Um, I think he's he sort of wanted to have a drink with him because he wanted to see if he was mixed up in some of the same stuff as Harry. So the deal is, post-war Vienna, kind of a lawless land, not a lot of goods coming in, so it's basically a black market town, and the the policeman, who is Major Calloway, um, and his assistant, Sergeant Payne, I believe, I forget his name exactly. Payne sounds right. Sounds about right. Uh, so they tell Martins that... Harry Lyme was a racketeer who was involved in black market dealings. But we don't know yet what criminal, it was. But we don't know what they are. We'll reveal that later in the synopsis. So there's an, It's good. So there's a hotel. They're going to put Holly up for the night and then send him on his way. Yes, except then he runs into... This isn't even important. I don't know why they bothered <laughs> with this bit going on for so long. But basically, um, there's a guy who's like a, involved with culture and propaganda in town and he wants Harry to speak to a group of British people or something. <laughs> I don't know that they, they speak English, but he wants to, they're like, oh, you're a novelist. Come speak to our group. Yeah. So they're, they think he's like a fancy novelist and he's going to bring some culture. They don't realize that he's like a, a pulp paperback Western writer, which I think was like Graham Greene was like a novelist who wrote sort of he was a writer who wrote sort of thrillery kind of stories. So I mean, was he kind of making fun of himself? Very here? good ones, but I think it's kind of a, a, a you know, a kind of a poke on writers in general. Mm. Uh, so I think that's probably why it's in there, but I don't know. That's fair. Anyway, carrying on. Okay. Um, something <laughs> definitely... Ha- I don't know. Somehow we got from the hotel to... He, oh, right. Okay. So this guy who looks kind of like the Joker, um, (laughs) says, meet me. I'll have a copy of your book. You'll know me. I'm a friend of Harry's. Right. So he goes to a cafe and meets the Joker. Yeah. Who tells him some details about the day that Harry died. And so the details of Harry's death are pretty key to this mystery. Yeah. So the original story he got was that Harry got hit by a car outside of his house. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But then things start, some more details emerge. So the Joker tells him that, oh, two, me and his other friend, like, pulled him from the wreckage. And before he died, he told me, like, to take care of you when you were here and to give some money to his girlfriend. Right. But the story that Harry had heard from, Holly had heard from the neighbor before was (laughs) that, uh, no, for sure, uh, Lime died immediately. Yeah. There are discrepancies in Harry's death exactly. that make Holly suspicious that perhaps the truth is not out yet. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, and then I think the next thing that happens is he goes to uh, the theater Yeah, because he wants to track down the woman he saw at Harry's funeral. Yes. And he does so. This is Anna. Anna. Anna is... Fairly bereft at the loss of Harry. They weren't married, but they were friendly. And that's, how they, that's what they called it in the 40s. <laughs> they were friendly, see? <laughs> yeah, and they said it as if they were gangsters they in a movie. They said it like that, you know? Um, and yeah, Holly has a crush on her immediately because she's a beautiful and actress. And like the only other woman in this movie. Other than the elderly landladies. Right, the old landlady that just yells in German all the time. Yeah. That's how it goes. So I think then they end up 
maybe back at her apartment, not in a romantic way. Mm-hmm. But uh, the police are there, rifling through all her things, trying to look for clues about Harry's racketeering, yeah. supposedly. They find her That's forged. where the old German landlady yells a lot in German, and you don't understand anything she says. Yeah, I started to doze off here, because there's a lot of German, and I don't know it. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. So they find her Apologies passport. to all our German listeners. Sorry. Um, <laughs> they find her passport. I'm they sorry. find her passport. It's a fake. And... Dun, dun. Actually, it doesn't really play. We don't really understand, but it seems like Harry got it for her at some point. Yes. Okay. And then... Oh, also, Holly takes Anna... Yeah. ...back to what I think is Harry's apartment to talk to this... The neighbor again. The porter. The porter. And he gives a little bit more details... That also don't add up to the original story or the second story. That's right. And I think this is where we hear there was a third man. That's right. You were remembering a lot more than I thought you were. For for a woman who appeared to be fast asleep for a solid 25 minutes of oh, this movie. The girl can nap on speed. Are you? Were you on speed? <laughs> on speed. That's not a turn of phrase. I guess what I meant is... Are you just inventing idioms? The girl can nap on speed. <laughs> What are you trying to this say? This girl, she looks like she's napping. She gets all the perks of napping, oh, and yet she is awake. I see how it goes. So the story becomes very complicated once the porter gets involved, because the way it ends up being told is that Harry walks out into the street. He gets run over by a car. He's helped. He's then pulled away from the car, dragged, dragged over to a statue by three men, according to the porter. Also, his doctor, Harry's doctor, just happens to be walking by and helps uh, Harry's last moments before he dies. And also, it turns out that the driver of the car was Harry's own driver. And what Holly finds so suspicious and unbelievable is that this man died in the street and and not a stranger was around. That every single person involved in this knew Harry in some some way or another, and it's very Mm -hmm. suspicious. And everyone says that there were only two men who pulled Harry away, except for the porter, who says there was a third man. And who was this third man? Who was the third man? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so I know he goes to visit Dr. Wiener, or Vilker, or Virdo, or something. It was probably Virdo. That sounds about (laughs) right. He goes to Dr. Virdo's house. I don't know what specifics happened there, but he interrupts dinner. So far we have the Joker, and we have... Dr. Virdo. This is yes. this is turning into an exciting rogues gallery. So. Bless you. Pardon me. I don't even know how to edit these so that both oh, those sneezes are just going to be no, on this podcast. No, you just podcast. cut out the audio on my track. I don't, I don't think that's how that works. Oh, dear me. So he goes to Dr. Virdo's house. He recognizes the Joker's dog. He sees a weird connection there and he's right. questioning things. But I don't know that he gets any other information. Right. Then, Meanwhile, the police are telling him to go home. Nobody wants him there. He's just sort of investigating this, a crime nobody thinks was committed. Yeah. Right? Uh, he's hanging out with Anna a bit. She's also a bit suspicious, but yeah. is pretty convinced that Harry is dead. Um, then I kind of fell asleep a bit. <laughs> and around the time <laughs> I came back... They were standing outside of a place, and somebody had been murdered, and they thought Holly did it. So what happened was, after he left Anna's, he walked past Harry's again, and the porter told him to come back that night, because the porter was going to tell him some more. <gasps> and when he went to Dr. Virdo, he told the doctor that the porter was insist- was insisting there was a third man. <gasps> so then, that night, he went to go see the porter and discovered that the porter was murdered. <gasps> but there was a child who saw him arguing with the porter earlier who thinks that Harry murdered the porter. So the child tells everybody that's the guy. That's why the child was following him this and yelling. This is why a German child was following him and yelling him. So then everybody at the scene of the crime thinks Holly murdered the porter. So he has to go on the run and he ends up getting bitten by a parrot which becomes kind of a running gag for a little bit. Uh, And then he... So he makes a run for it. He gets back to the hotel. 
and then he's trying to get a car, and then okay, suddenly yes. it seems like he's kidnapped by he seems, this seems cab be, driver. Yeah, and this cabbie looks like quite the thug. And he takes him on this like wild ride through the city, and it seems like this guy's been contracted to murder Holly or something, but it turns out that he's just been tasked with delivering Holly to give his lecture about writing great novels. And then I started to sleep again. But this was a comedic This moment, was comedic because mostly. they were all these very sort of snobby, posh, uh, aristocratic type people. Here I have a, a, um, a thing. What is it called when I pretend to be one of them? Uh, an impression? I have is, an impression. <laughs> please. I'm excited to hear your impression. What? Where do you place James Joyce? And then Holly's like, excuse me? And the guy's like... Where do you place James Joyce? What category would you place him in? And I don't remember what Holly said. I'm transported. It's it's uncanny. I mean, when, folks listening, when you watch the movie, you'll realize just how almost, <laughs> almost perfect that impression was. Thank you. I really appreciate watching movies of this era so that my old-timey radio voice is... Put to good you use. have a lot of old-timey radio voice going on. Next time on... Here we go! So, uh, everybody just leaves. They really are not impressed by Holly talking about No, nothing. it turns out that being a pulp western writer is not very impressed uh, no. to everybody. But in the back of the room walks... Papushpa. I'm sorry, who? Papushpa? What was he? The Albanian? Was he Albanian? They just mostly referred to him by his nationality, but I don't recall. Polish? I don't think he was Polish. I think there was three syllables. All right. Anyway, he walks in. He's the second man. Right. In walks the second man. The first man's the Joker, by the way. The Joker is the first man. The second man is Papushka. (laughs) The doctor is Dr. Virdo. Yes. So Papushka walks in. And he, I think he is accusing Holly of murder again i don't remember this part at all so let's say yes okay anyway he ends up back at the police station where calloway tells him calloway is the police inspector calloway is the police inspector where calloway tells him what harry's crime was what he was racketeering and what is it it is freaking heinous and this should have tipped me off because i was like i knew a fact that it didn't add up with when I thought the movie was made. But anyway, ah. so Harry was dealing in penicillin, but specifically they would like, I believe they were stealing penicillin from the hospital, watering it down yes, and then selling it to people, which made it not useful. So essentially like women in labor and babies and kids with meningitis. With, yeah. Like, you know, anything you might need penicillin for. This uh, penicillin was quite new at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and after the war, of course, there was a lot of people who needed penicillin. Like, you always need penicillin. Antibiotics are amazing. And so Harry Lyme was making profit while letting hundreds of people die or get super, super sick with his crappy penicillin. Yes, and they had fingerprints. This was another thing. I was like, wow, they could fingerprint in the 20s? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Well, turns out... <laughs> that explains when you said, I didn't know they had fingerprints back then. I even wrote that in my... That was like the first note I wrote. First fin- note, more than halfway through the movie. Oh, no. This is this is just before that. Yeah. There's a great quote. Oh, yeah. Uh, Inspector Calloway said, I don't want another murder on this file, and you were born to be murdered. Wow. Except he said it with a British accent. <laughs> right. I'm not going to do a British accent. Aw. Our, all our British listeners would probably love it. Oh, I don't want another. Wow, sorry. nope. That's that just, was a joke. Let's just stop that. Anyway, that's racist. Um, so he, well, that's not racist. Um, <laughs> Holly is convinced that his old friend Harry wasn't such a great guy after all. Right. Because a lot of the early scenes when he's talking about Harry is like wistful and like. Yeah, they were best friends. Yeah. So he's pretty sad. So he goes and gets drunk. He goes and gets drunk at, like, a topless bar. There's a woman who was just wearing pasties Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, a sarong. But it looked like he was the only man there, and there was a bunch of women at the bar. 
I don't maybe really it was know like what the deal was. a lesbian topless bar in the 40s. That's pretty cool. Let's say that. Yeah. So <laughs> he bought a bunch of flowers there and then went to Anna's house. Right. To say, I'm going. And they are both very drunk and she kind of knows what Harry was doing. And they both yeah, she, sort of. Because she also had been to the police station that yeah, day. Yeah. They both sort of feel that he was kind of a bad guy, but she still loves him. And he kind of makes a play at her, but it doesn't quite go over. Yeah, she's still bereft. She's she's very sad, and he's very drunk. And then there's a really good beat where he tries to play with the cat, and the cat yes. has no interest. And then Anna says, the cat only liked Harry. And then the cat goes outside. They resume sort of talking. And then outside we see a man in the shadows. And then we see the cat, and then the cat goes up to the man in the shadows and rubs against his leg. And Plays with his shoelace. We as the audience up. are like, <gasps> "What? It's Harry." Um, and then Holly is walking down the street and sees, gets like a glimpse of the man in the shadows. Right, and he's, then sees Harry's face, and he thinks he's being followed by a spy at that point. But yeah, he. Then the man steps out of the shadow, and it's Harry, who is played by Orson Welles. I totally forgot Orson Welles was in this movie. And then we're like, keep watching, and I'm like, where's the old big dude? (laughs) And then I'm like, well, this is 20, so he was younger back then. It was 20 years before Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. A touch of evil. Nice. Good callback. Orson Welles, two things. Can I talk about his physical appearance a little bit? Uh, I mean, yeah. His face was kind of punchable, but it might have been because he was playing a real kook, <laughs> bad man character. Orson Welles, punchable face. But he also kind of looks like Vince Vaughn. So, using the extrapolation thereof, yeah, you I think, think Vince, Vince Vaughn, Vaughn has kind punchable. of a punchable face. Yes, Interesting. I, <laughs> I mean, he's very tall. I don't, and I don't know that you would be able to reach his face. I'm, I'm not gonna punch him. No. But I'm still going to think, like, you're going to have to do a lot of work to make me be on your side. Fair enough. Uh, but I thought Orson Welles was fantastic in this role. I thought this this is, like, I mean, kind of a perfect role for Orson Welles because it is a morally bankrupt, morally bankrupt jerk who is convinced he's right, which, I mean, I don't know much about Orson Welles. I don't think he was morally bankrupt. I do think... He was a very young genius who was told very early on that he could do no wrong, and I think he kind of bought into that a little bit. But what are you going to do when you look when you direct Citizen Kane when you're like 26 and it's the greatest movie of all time? I've never seen it, Jason. Oh, you will. <laughs> I know. Uh, so he sees Harry. He chases him through the streets, loses him, Disappears. goes back, gets the police. They come through and realize that Harry escaped into the sewers. Which connect the whole city, and that he's probably hiding out in the Russian quarter, which the Russians are not helpful. Yes. So Holly goes back to Doctor and Joker's house, says, "Tell Harry I want to meet up and talk. I'm gonna right. go wait by this Ferris wheel." Yes. And then a short while later, Harry meet, appears. Oh, they before this they went and they dug up Harry's coffin oh, right. and they found out that he wasn't inside it but the body of the man who helped him get the penicillin was a man named Harden he's a hardened criminal well, he's a dead one now so I guess rigor mortis and all he would be pretty hardened because he's stiff because he's a dead guy and they're calling him stiffs that's what you call a dead guy see it all works Bringing it right around. Good one. Comedy. Genius. It's late. We're full of food. So they get on the Ferris wheel. Yes. Basically, Him Harry, and, Harry. Harry yep. and Holly on the Ferris wheel. They, they're they sort of buddy-buddy briefly, and then Harry keeps talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holly kind of accuses him of doing something bad. and He admits <laughs> it. Harry admits it, but he thinks Holly's the only one who knows. And he does this, like, really good, like, villain stuff where he tries to get Holly to, like, understand and see things from his point of view. Which was basically, like, $10,000 is worth more than one random person, isn't it? Yeah. Honestly, this was, like, my favorite sequence in the whole movie. I thought this was a very good scene, and it had, like, some proper tension. Where It was tense. Where, like, Orson Welles opens the door on the Ferris wheel carriage and is, like, you think maybe he's going to try and throw... 
Joseph Cotton out, but Joseph Cotton, like, just sort of subtly grabs onto the thing as if, like, indicating he doesn't trust his friend who he's known his whole life. It's all very, like, a lot of really good subtext and stuff like that. It's a good scene. It is. So Holly does not get thrown out. Uh, They get off the Ferris wheel. Uh, But Harry Lyme says, if you send word again and I'll meet you somewhere, just make sure you come alone. Because he still wants to have his friend. Yeah. I think he's lonely. Lonely in his crimes. For like a sociopathic criminal guy. Importantly, on the Ferris wheel, Holly keeps asking Harry, like, what about Anna? Don't you miss her? Um, Because Anna's very sad. Yeah. And Harry seems to like not care. Not at all. Which makes Holly extra mad. Yeah. So then I think uh, Holly goes back and forth about whether he wants to help the police. The police are like, you should set him up so we can trap him. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And then they're like, you should. And then he talks to Anna. And he tries to get the police to help Anna get out of her passport problem in exchange for it. But she won't let him do that. And then finally, the police take him to a children's hospital where he sees a bunch of basically victims of Harry's penicillin scheme. And that sort of gets him on board. And he's like, fine, I'll set up a trap. Yep. So they set up a trap. They set up a trap. And at the last second, just as Harry is walking into this cafe where the sting is going to happen, he gets tipped off because... Ooh, we should watch The Sting. <laughs> you would definitely fall asleep during that movie. I'll take your word for it, baby. I mean, I would. <laughs> so Anna's like in the mid-sentence saying like, how do you feel about being a police informant, Holly? And that's just as Harry's walking into oh, the yeah. cafe. And Terrible so timing. He's, he runs away, but there's so many police officers around. They chase him. He runs to the sewers. Chase him into the sewers. Then there's a very cool sewer chase sequence that... It was a very long sewer chase sequence. It became long. It was like in uh, Westworld. It was almost as long as the Westworld chase. Kind of like the end of Westworld. Um, So in the end, Harry shoots Sergeant Payne. Who we liked. He was a nice guy. He was nice. Bernard Lee, good actor. Um... Sergeant Major Calloway shoots at Harry, but Harry keeps running, and then eventually Holly ends up cornering Harry, and the Major's telling him to shoot him, that he's dangerous, and then we cut away, and we just hear a gunshot, and we don't know what happened. Dot, dot, dot. The next scene is we're back graveside. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Movies from 1949. You should have watched it by now. That's on you. Go ahead. True that. Uh, graveside. They're doing the same thing as they were at the last funeral for it's Harry. It's a funeral, but this time it's really a funeral for Harry. But we don't really know that. Well, I mean, I assume we know that because the police probably would have like come and got the body and taken it and put it in a coffin. I think for sure. Okay, he's that. Dead. You have a point. No. What is Charlie doing? Oh, he's trying to use my nice sweater as a bed. Your nice sweater that you left on the floor. It's my floor, too. And the cat is trying to use it as a... I mean, you put it in his arena, I gotta say, for Here, that. Here, Charlie, use this. Oh, by the way, we have a cat named Charlie. His picture is on the website if you want to go look at him. So, uh, that website is zoehatesmovies.com. Yeah. Where were we? Oh, there's a funeral. There's so, a funeral. Jason believes the body's in there. I'm not that sure, but... He's dead. He's for sure dead. Give a good... I'll read the book and let you know. There's no book. It's so confusing when novelists write movies. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, good. Um, I wasn't going to read the book. There's a funeral. Anyway. Uh, it almost plays out kind of the same way as Harry's first funeral. Uh, Calloway gives Holly a ride away. They see Anna walking down the street. Holly decides to get out and talk to Anna. And she just walks right by him. It's a very cool move. It's kind of a cool move. And then that's kind of the ending as the zither plays us off. Yeah, what's a zither? A zither is the instrument that plays all the music in The Third Man. It's kind of like a strummy thing. Okay, like the the opening sequence of the movie was like a many-stringed instrument. Yeah. Being, you can see the strings vibrating. So The Third Man is kind of, it's pretty famous for its score, which is, I think, all zither. Which is not an easy <laughs> instrument to say after a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, so it's famous for that. It's famous for its Dutch tilt angles and 
noir sensibilities and its expressionistic tendencies, and it is famous for kind of being one of the great uh, British films, possibly the greatest British film. I could tell that it was a good movie. Yeah. And I did overall more or less enjoy it. Oh. But it was an hour and 44 minutes. Holy moly. That is not very long. It's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man was 100% two hours and more. And that was exciting and great. Oh, I see. I I'm see. saying Spider-Man earned every two-hour minutes of so those. So your review of the third man is, nope. it's no Spider-Man. Well, it's not. But that's not the most important part. That I'm just saying, there were some places where we could have cut. It could have been 220. I, I will agree for sure. There was a couple definite, there was like a, a few back and forths of him being like, yeah, I'll help the police. No, I won't. Okay. Yes, I will. Yeah. They were a little unnecessary in the third act and the sewer chase sequence went on a little long. Even like when they're setting up the sting, they were, they were showing a picture of like a policeman exhaling and you, it was cold out so you could see his breath. And then another policeman doing the same thing. Carol Reed, uh, the director, he is very interested in people's faces and reactions to things. Okay. I think there's there's a lot of that in this film of sort of, you know, you didn't see any of the children in the children's ward. You just saw, like, the faces of nuns looking at the children and stuff like that. There's Right. And we didn't see the body in the coffin when they dug it up. We just no, saw exactly. everybody looking. and Or, like, yeah. anytime somebody's, like... A car when the when the car when he was in the in the taxi and it was like racing him around all over the place, you didn't see so much of the car chase as you saw just people's heads turning as a car went past very quickly. Right, which is kind of I suppose a stylistic choice. I think it was interesting. Like the movie definitely had a style. Oh, definitely it did. And there was no long courtroom scene, which I appreciated. <laughs> Do you want more courtroom dramas? Is that what we should be watching more of? Uh, do you want me to fall asleep more? Kind of, yeah. I know it's funny. So, I mean, it is funny for me. So that was the third man. So you're, I mean, what did you think about it? Like, of what? as far as what you remember? I remember plenty and you know it. I do. You, you went through it very well. I think I've said everything I feel. Okay. So you thought it was pretty good. I'm a pretty big fan of this movie. I mean, it has a lot of the things I like in an old movie. It's, you know, because I'm a big Hitchcock fan and this movie is very German influenced uh, in terms of its filming and Carol Reed, as far as uh, directors go, is maybe only second in terms of British directors to Alfred Hitchcock and he made some pretty great movies on his own right. Wait, you said it's very German influenced. What does that mean? I mean, in this case, just in terms of the way he shoots things, like it's very, very stark lighting. Like the there is a sense of artificiality in all the sets, which comes from some pretty, pretty stark German expressionism. Like if you look at some of the shots and and the way they're angled, they're very much sort of composed to be dramatic shots which is a very sort of uh, German framing of things, like all the mm. very the very tilted angles and stuff like that um, were used to sort of convey senses of unease within very ordinary frames. Um, this definitely has all the hallmarks of what would become standard film noir. Okay. Um, and what's what I think is really interesting in The Third Man is sort of the contrast between this and something like Casablanca where these they're both very similar movies in a lot of ways they're both set in sort of these border towns but this movie is kind of has the film noir aesthetic of being about the you know the 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 corruption of all men and that every man has this dark corner inside of him and that you know there is no real absolute truth that film noir is very much about sort of the gray of society and how good and evil is very stark and hard to pin down. Hmm. And whereas something like Casablanca, which was, I haven't seen, which you haven't seen, um, but which was made seven years before this sort of during the war, um, 
maybe only five years, maybe it was 44. But anyway, Casablanca is very much sort of the hopeful film about the idea that even even men who seem tough on the outside will do right if given the chance. So the difference you find between like something even just during the war versus something that's just after the war is this sort of turn into more of a darker sensibility, which kind of reflects on how the Second World War affected people. Definitely. So, and, and that this kind of movie this kind of like a darker movie where racketeering and these sort of gray moral areas begin to penetrate more of film it becomes more and more prevalent as you get into the film noir period of the 50s and the 60s and then stuff gets really dark when you get into like some some of the darker film noirs like the big heat or out of the past where things get really grim and then you kind of look back at like earlier Hollywood films and you're like, what happened to you? Who hurt you? But, but the who hurt you was the Second World War. So The Third Man is kind of one of the first sort of movies that really tackled uh, what would become the sort of standard morality for films. And it does it pretty well, even though it has Joseph Cotton in the lead. <laughs> I just want to say we have the movie playing with sound off in the background as we record and there's a scene on that I have no recollection of whatsoever. This is this is uh Patchouli coming to to visit him. Yeah. And, and talk about I don't know the doctor or something. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, there's a woman eating soup. So what else can we t- say about the third man? Yeah, so Graham Greene the novelist kind of wrote this as a Screenplay. Uh, David O. Selznick was involved in the production. By all accounts, it was a pretty well-received movie. Uh, it's on a lot of lists for you know. It's definitely regarded as one of the great British films ever made. I really thought you were going to say Great British Bake Off. It wouldn't have fit the sentence. You but... really wish this was the Great British Bake Off, but it's <sighs> not. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about the history of the movie. I'm afraid I'm not gonna. That's okay. You talked about the genre very eloquently. There we go. So there's that. Anyway, I think uh, The Third Man is a really great movie, and it's a pretty good mystery as far as they go. I I know people hate remakes and stuff, but like, oh, I'm saying like again, I was going to not do that as much. That's okay. Now you're hypersensitive of it. I'm and super sensitive of it. Speak nice and clearly now. I hope so. Anyway, what I was going to say is like, damn it, son of a gun. You're the editor. You could fix it. Nobody needs to know. I never edit anything. I'm going to teach exhausting. you how to do it. I don't want to. It sounds boring. So what I was going to say, <laughs> this is really good material, is that I wouldn't mind seeing a modern retelling of this story. Oh, totally. Because um, I think it has some pretty universal themes. And I think in sort of the age we live in where the corruption of capitalism is kind of a it just is sort of taken as read that people will do horrible things for money that I think it becomes an interesting film when that when it's effectively a character watching their best friend be corrupted by capitalism and then forcing to chase that friend down and in effect kill them Hmm. is like it has interesting overtones culturally uh, so, uh, whoever owns the rights to the third man, get in touch with me. Cause I feel like we could probably do a pretty solid remake set in a post, uh, Gulf war Baghdad. That's just my take. Wow. On it. I'm just saying, know what I mean? No. Some green zone action. Maybe I didn't, I never saw the movie green zone. Maybe that's what it was about. Hey cat. Charlie, stop eating that blanket. You look so caught in the act. Yeah, he knows it. Ugh. I put that blanket there so he wouldn't scratch the furniture, and now he's playing with it. Well, that's what cats do. Okay, on task. On task. All right, let's wrap up this podcast by going to our favorite part of the evening. Can you make theme music for this portion? Um, here comes Zoe's favorite thing. It's her favorite thing of the week. This week, it's the thing that Zoe likes the best. She's going to tell you about it now. Thank you. Bravo. I won't be able to remember that for next time, so. You can just cut and paste. 
Oh, I don't know how to do that. Edit. Okay. What's your favorite thing this week? Well, a thing I'm very happy to be indulging in this week is mead. Mead? Mead. The drink? The drink of mead. All right. Tell us about mead. I got a few mead facts for you. Don't you have a, like a clever name for a mead fact? Mm, Hydromead. No, never mind. I'm just learning all the words. It's I'm still new to mead. It's new to mead. Nice. Um, my gateway mead was <laughs> Fallen Timber Meadery's Mead Hito. Where's Fallen Timber Meadery? It's um, not that far from Calgary. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. For Water Valley. all of our foreign listeners, of which there are none. Water Valley. Hey, give us a shout out. If you're listening from beyond... The grave? Canada. Oh, there we go. Rate and review us. Oh, yeah, we'll do that part. We'll do that part later. um, Yeah, my Gateway Mead was Fallen Timber Meadery's Mead Hito, which is a mead cocktail. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it might be a sizer, which I just learned about, which is like an apple meadery. Apple mead? Like a Kaiser Soze? No, that's a Kaiser. Um, and it's really like the meatiness is very light and there's effervescence and there's mintiness. Let's go back to basics. What is mead? I'm going to get there. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I have my list. You're just telling me about meatiness, but I don't know what that is. I will tell you more. All right. Mead is fermented honey and water. Hmm. <laughs> so it drinks like a sweet wine, but not necessarily super sweet. Which I think a lot of people think it's going to be incredibly sweet. Such as this evening, Jason, when I said, would you like some mead? I believe you... What did I say? Your body said as much as your mouth, which was, no thank you. (laughs) Uh, That doesn't sound that good to me. I'm not not a big fan of mead. Yes, but the one I'm drinking is a spiced mead from Honeymoon Meadery in Vernon, B.C., and it's lovely. Um, So it... Uh, uh, here's my mead facts. Yeah. According to an article by Mary O'Rourden in the Irish Examiner, mead has been referenced in ancient China, India, Greece, and Egypt at least as far back as 4,000 years ago. And then another article I read from Cottage Life says, it's, <laughs> I like to cite my sources, um, says 9,400 years ago they were making mead in China. Which mm-hmm. means it is older than beer, wine, and spirits. This First is, is not always the best. Uh, the fact that it is as good as it is is amazing. All right, carry on. Yes. Um, it, ancient Greeks called it ambrosia or nectar, and they thought mm. that it was a drink of the gods that descended from the heavens as dew, and it was collected by bees. Greeks thought a lot of really not great stuff. Just because it's old, ancient wisdom doesn't mean it's right. But still, if you ever come across a reference to ambrosia from ancient Greeks, now it you know. It was mead. It was mead. And if you've never had mead and you're like, wow, that sounds good, have some ambrosia. Um, for a long time, it was believed to have magical, powerful benefits like long life, health, strength, virility, wit, mm-hmm. and poetry. Wow. But I think the last two are always things people think they have after they drink alcohol. So Fair enough. <laughs> I know I do. Um, mead is kind of making a comeback. Clearly. I think. I've seen it around. When I was driving through the Okanagan uh, this summer, Yeah. I kept encountering mead. And that's why we have mead in the house now. Because I thought we should have some. Yeah. You can drink it at cellar temperature, quote unquote. Is which that cold? I think that's just like a little cooler than room temperature. Gotcha. Or in our case, because we don't have a cellar, it's just room temperature. Fair enough. Or chilled or warm and oh. here's sorry i just have no, one more please, important one thing more yes if you open your bottle of mead you've got to put a cork or a cap back on it and put it in the fridge or else it will go off you got to mm. drink it within a week or so maybe two if you're not too picky but um it's kind of like wine so don't just let it go bad anyway it's lovely give it a shot drink it like uh you would wine and get back to me let me know how you and it mixes good in cocktails you say well, I haven't mixed it yet, but okay. I think, yeah, you could replace uh, vermouth with mead in a cocktail. It would be somewhat similar. Interesting. Uh, I sometimes do like mead. I find it a little, um, the flavor of it is quite strong. The, the honey. Like the honey part of it is quite yes. sort of cloying sometimes for me. Um, so that was the third man. What, what else was I going to say? Oh, I did notice, so 
the guy that plays Sergeant Payne, Bernard Lee, he went on to play uh, M in the James Bond movies. He was James Bond's boss in the first movies. And then also in the credits, I noticed that the assistant director was Guy Hamilton, who went on to direct the James Bond movies. Wow. So there you go. That's just a dumb fact. Does that, that mean we're going to watch James Bond next? No, because they're in color and they're action-packed, and I feel like you would enjoy that too much. <sighs> Things are going to... Like, after Anastasia... I noticed that like you you enjoyed that too much, so <laughs> things are going to get a lot rougher for you from here on out. Oh my! We are, we are going to get into some some pretty pretty old movies, maybe some silent movies, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe some foreign movies. I have to stay away through part of it, or else what am I going to talk about? I'm, I'm excited to find out, and I'm sure everyone else is. Thank you. Uh, so. Before we sign off, uh, we are on Twitter at Zoe Hates Movies. We are on the internet at zoehatesmovies.com. We're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify. Uh, you can find us there, uh, and you can find us on iTunes. Uh, where if you like the podcast, if you uh, maybe rate us, review us, subscribe, uh, those are apparently things that matter. Um, and if you want to reach out to us, you can leave a comment on our website. Again, that is zoehatesmovies.com, where you can find all of our back catalog and pretty much just that. I mean, I suppose we could put other things there, but who knows. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Zoe, shall we say goodnight? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to those who have already rated and reviewed. Yeah, we've had some really nice reviews from people and... I don't know who they are, but next next time we record, we'll we'll give some shout-outs to those people who say things. And if you have recommendations for movies that I should make Zoe watch that you think she will not enjoy, please uh, comment on the website and let us know those because <sighs> it's kind of a pleasure. Make sure they're old. Yeah, they have to be old. Black and white, really, she, she cannot deal with. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes it more enjoyable. Uh, but also maybe some things that I haven't watched that maybe I should. Lord knows there's lots of those. So that's it for the podcast. I'm done talking. Go ahead, Zoe. Thank you. This was The Thin Man. Nope. Come on. That was my joke because I kept mixing them up, but now I know what this one's about. The Thin Man's about the drunk couple, right? Yes. All right. <laughs> Nick and Nora Charles are the drunk couple. Thank you. Good night. Good night. How should I introduce the concept? You could go, Zoe, today I'm just going to tell you the title and I want you to give me a one-line description of the movie we're about to watch without having seen it and without knowing anything about it. I mean, that's a little... I want, I want to like address the audience, the listeners, in terms of like, like, hey everybody, to start the podcast, I always tell Zoe the title of the movie and then let her guess what it's going to be about without having seen it like that kind of a thing does that sound yes don't just use this as the intro make it three minutes long though no i wouldn't do that when have <laughs> i ever done that every single time i'm not gonna do that this time i'm sure cue the theme music